0: Welcome to the 124th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Victoria Houston, author of the Loon Lake Mystery Series. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Victoria Houston, the author of the Loon Lake Mystery Series. The latest book in the series, Dead Insider, is now available in bookstores. Victoria, welcome to the podcast.
1: Good morning. Thank you, Jeff. Sure, sure. Well, I wondered
0: if you could just read the first page or two of your new novel, Dead Insider.
1: Absolutely. Um, Bear with me one second here. Sure. Okay. Watching from the window on her right. Jane Erickson stared down as the Challenger jet circled the landing strip. How many times had she flown into Loon Lakes since she was a kid? A thousand times at least, and yet she could not still she could not tell which lake was which. Big ones, little ones, potholes, peninsulas, and islands that she should recognize but couldn't. But then again, the town of Loon Lake had over 300 lakes within a five-mile radius so much water, so many trees, so many reasons to call this land God's country. And if she won this election, her father would be so proud he might forgive her, his only child, for being a girl. Too bad he isn't alive. The jet landed with a thud on the airstrip, sloshing her drink onto her lap. She brushed the liquid off her slacks with a distracted air. It was her third bourbon, and the first two had taken effect, so it was no great loss. Hey, you guys, take it easy next time, will you, she said in a voice loud enough to carry to the cockpit. Dry cleaning is not one of my reimbursable election expenses. Sorry, JT called Kurt, calling her by her childhood name. He had been her late father's pilot and had known her since she was a teenager, A surrogate big brother, Kurt knew the family secrets and had still been willing to help her out, a demanding flight schedule for a man in his late 60s. We got winds gusting to 60 miles per hour, said Kurt. Should be a lot better flying tomorrow. See you back here at 1030, right? And you take care driving home. You hear? The forecast shows another severe thunderstorm moving in from the west. It could hit any minute. I'll be fine. All I need is a good night's sleep, said Jane with a sigh as she reached for her, bur- her purse and her briefcase. We did great this week, guys. What did we manage? 18 appearances in the last four days? She sighed again as she fumbled her way down the narrow stairs to the concrete runway. What had she been thinking when she decided to run for the Senate seat that her father had once held? Today, a senatorial race required three to four times as many appearances as when that old man ran. He had it easy 30 years ago. That was before the age of YouTube and the 24-7 news cycle. This race was costing her millions to reach voters, not to mention every hour of her every day.
0: Is that enough? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Dead Insider yet, how would you describe the novel?
1: Well, I would say something that's rather grisly in the novel uh, is actually based on a real-life murder that I heard about in Chicago uh, about 30 years ago. I was in the middle of a bridge game in a northern suburb when one of the women at the bridge table started to talk about how her cousin had been murdered years earlier. And it was a very grisly situation where this little girl's uh, father put his daughters to bed one night, came in, checked on them. They were fine. What he didn't know at the time was there was a murderer hiding behind the door when he opened it into the bedroom. And that child uh, was never seen after her father had checked her that night. And in fact, her body ended up chopped up in pieces in the Chicago sewer system. And so that story um, sort of stayed with me over the years. And as I'm sure other mystery writers will tell readers, it's those lingering memories from childhood or early adulthood that sort of spur you onto your stories. And what was weird for me this year was as I was working on this book, um, I was midway into it and I was really using um my emotional reactions to that story to drive this mystery when the actual murderer died. And so all uh, some of the details of that whole situation ended up once again in the newspapers. So it's sort of a very eerie thing and um and yet I also want people to know that Grizzly as the details that i 've used in my story may be uh, I make sure that that the worst of it happens off the page, so you' you 're not going to have too many bad nightmares
0: right right <laughs> well, as I mentioned earlier dead dead insider if if um, if I figure this correctly is the thirteenth book in the loon Lake mystery series
1: it is uh,
0: what was the path to publication for you originally when you set out to write the first loon Lake mystery novel, and i'm just curious. Prior to writing that first book in the series, had you written uh, fiction before that, either short stories or novels?
1: Well, you know, Jeff, that's a good question because I I had published seven nonfiction books before that. And then I was working myself in book publishing as the head of publicity for a major American publisher. And we published one mystery writer. And I was impressed with... um, the kind of money he was making, because he was making like 20 times what I was making writing nonfiction. So this made me think, you know, maybe we'll give mystery mystery writing a try, plus which I I was a dedicated reader of mysteries since childhood. But once I tried to make that switch, it was so tough, to the point my agent finally told me, this is so bad. You know, my early attempts at <laughs> writing a mystery. She said, don't even show these to people who love you unconditionally. She's, wow. <laughs> yeah, she said, you are a, a nonfiction writer, not a fiction writer. Well, I was fortunate. Um, I was promoting, actually, Gary Trudeau, who does Dunsbury. Mm-hmm. He was coming back from his sabbatical. And in a meeting at Newsweek magazine where I was trying to get him a cover story, um, I talked with their book reviewer about um, – my frustrations trying to write a mystery this just came up as a sidelight because the reviewer was a mystery writer and he said well maybe you'd like to go to this workshop that i go to in the village so i did for a year and then i thought you know i've nailed this i figured it out because it sounds simple but it's all about showing not telling a story and yet nonfiction's is all about telling so for me that was that was a major barrier and so um i started a mystery but I made all my usual mistakes, setting it in Kansas City, set, setting it against a background of art theft. But as I'm working on this story, the stolen art ends up at the bottom of a lake in northern Wisconsin. And a retired dentist is in his fishing boat with his dog, and he, he comes on this strange stuff under the water. And that manuscript, at that point, was I'm 50 pages into it, Mystery Writers of America had a mentor program. So I sent it off to see, to have a a published writer uh, give me a good assessment. And what I got back was this. When I first started to read this material, I was going to suggest this writer go back to school. But when the story turned to Wisconsin, it just sparkled. It just came alive. And so... I dropped 45 pages, and I started that story not knowing where I was going, and it became the first in the Loon Lake series. And when I showed it to my agent, she said, this isn't bad, but publishers like a series. Do you think you have any other ideas for these same characters? And apparently I have, since now this is the 13th in the series.
0: That, that's a great story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it shows you that it's not easy to write mysteries. And, you know, some people do it easier, but, but I had to really kind of fight my way into it. And now, of course, I love it. It's, you know, a great escape for me. Um, and I, th- I think I figured out a few ways to, to make it a pleasant experience for readers.
0: Sure. And, and who was your publisher initially on the series? My, the initial,
1: my initial publisher was Berkeley. Berkeley Prime Crime. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you know, they're um, dedicated to cozy mysteries. And they had been looking, you know, when I turned it in, that first manuscript to my agent, I said, you know, this is just to show you I can write fiction. I am sure no publisher's interested in a mystery set against a background of fishing in Wisconsin. Well, it turns out they had been looking for a fishing mystery series. And so I did uh, six books with them. And then they were going cozier, because my books are really not cozy. I'm really a pretty classic police procedural. Sure. Um, and interestingly enough, um, and I'm probably giving you more information than you need. No, but, no,
0: it's interesting. Keep going.
1: Well, when I w- back when I was working in book publishing, I worked for Universal Press Syndicate and our, and our sister company, Andrews and McNeil, which was a total startup when I, when I joined that company. And they are today one of the top humor publishers in the country. So as I was doing my fifth and sixth book with Berkeley and getting from them a little bit of feedback that they were going to go cozier, um, I was approached by two young guys, one of whom is Ben Leroy, who are not, I don't think they were 30 years old. And they approached me at a writer's conference up in Toronto and said they would like to publish me. And I took the time to have a cup of coffee with them. And it was clear to me that they understood the business side. And so I'm happy to report that today, years later, and through several different permutations, uh, Ben Leroy continues to be my publisher. Um, He was with Bleak House and sold it to a, a parent company. Then he left and started his own Tyrus Books, which is now an imprint at F&W Crime. And I think Ben's instincts have been terrific, and he's got some very good writers um, that uh, he is publishing.
0: Sure. So you mentioned that that uh, the books are set in um, northern Wisconsin. Is, yes. that, is that where you grew up?
1: Yes, I grew up here. Couldn't wait to get out of town when I was 18. I thought it was the more, most boring place in the world. <laughs> And then I lived uh, in Kansas City and in Connecticut, worked in New York City. And I moved back here 15 years ago, thinking it was just for a short visit. Uh, but, you know, that's when the, um, I found my publisher, my first publisher, and everything has, has fallen into place. And the reality here is that I grew up in this fishing culture. And as hackneyed as it sounds when they say, write what you know, that is the case. And I think Willa Cather has a wonderful quote. Uh, writers write from the memories they have from before the age of 13. And for me, that, that's very true. It's, it's that whole aura of this little town that, uh, and, the, and the little towns around here that really drive my stories. And yes, I fish and I, um, I also fly fish and learned from uh, Joan Wolf, who's one of the icons of the sport. But, I, you know, I grew up in a household. My dad was a dentist. My grandpa was a dentist. And so consequently, the dentistry is still the best way to identify a dead body. And so, you know, that's part of it. But my dad raised me to think you practice dentistry in order to be able to afford to fish. <laughs> So you can get some, you can get a good idea of where my my uh, stories come from.
0: Sure, and and so now that you you do live back where you grew up in 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 northern Wisconsin, do do you? Um, and and I know you mentioned earlier getting this idea for the latest book, Dead Insider, from the story. Uh, uh, when you were at this this bridge club, but but right. I, I'm curious, do you do you are you inspired by? Uh, the setting and, and things that are going on around you in this location that, that give you ideas for, for new books in the series?
1: Always. And it's very interesting. Ideas come from the strangest places. Um, one night I went fly fishing with, with two guys who are friends of mine in Trout Unlimited, and one is a um, uh, works for the forestry service. And he had just been out on a logging road and come on a light model sedan uh rolled over, it was on its roof and inside very much alive were three women who were from the local strip club. They were dancers and they had been out the night before partying and they were just kind of waking up. They did not realize they were upside down in a (laughs) (laughs) car. So I'm hearing this story over burgers after being out fly fishing one night. So that's one source. The other thing is that, um, I have a little cabin and property that abuts the property my grandpa owned when I was growing up. And I'm on a, a five-lake chain. My cabin's like 20 feet from the lake. And this is the lake with trophy, musky, lots of walleye. It's just a beautiful setting. And that very much, I think, confuses my stories. Just to be able to spend my summer out there, um, although I have to tell you this summer, right now we've had so, so much rain and cold weather. There's nothing very inspiring at the moment. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's talking to people, it's memories from the past, and it's very much being able to live in this region. And uh, one of the results is I think that's why I, very much like other mystery writers who are pretty regional, I really, you know, William uh, Kent Kruger, C.J. Box, people who can really... Going back to Willa Cather, who is one of my you know favorite authors, these are people who capture the land and the air and the atmosphere of, of that time when they were growing up there so well.
0: Sure. So are there challenges that you find in writing the 13th book in a series? What's the process like for you now when you start thinking about a new book in the series?
1: And I'm just starting the 14th book, and I would say – uh for me a, a major challenge is always introducing my three main characters in a way that's new and different for readers who've read the previous books. I don't, you know, I want it to always be fresh for them and yet it, I I wanted to I need to give the information about these people to the new reader, in a in a way that's still, you know, perceptive and sort of illuminating about as to who they are and why they are in this place at this time. Um, To me, that's a, that's a great challenge. Uh, Another thing is I'm not a writer who has an outline or a plot. I have a one page synopsis of what I think the story is about when I start. And so I think it's pretty natural. You always worry. I do that. I can write a good story. And so when I get really worried, I just remember, Ooh, you wrote 13, I think.
0: <laughs> so so at this point, do you have ideas ahead? Are you looking ahead or do you just kind of work on the next book and, and the idea comes?
1: Well, you know what I do is probably uh, not on, unlike some other writers that I've, I've uh, talked with. But while I'm working on this book, I continue to be a fanatic newspaper Reader. And every day uh, I read the Daily New York Times, the Daily Wall Street Journal, the Daily Washington Post, my local Rhinelander Snooze. um, And I clip articles that just strike me as something that might be of interest later. And I keep that file this whole nine months while I'm working on the current book, and I just file them away. And then when I finish this book, I will pull out that file and look through and see. What Sparks My Interest? Um, so I'm not, I'm really focused on the current book, but it's sort of behind the scenes, I'm collecting these bits and pieces that might lead to something new. And so one thing that happened last year uh, is that up here in this part of the country, we have a serious problem with the Mexican cartels growing marijuana in our national forests. And we've had 11 uh, major, um pot farms discovered in Wisconsin in the last year and several are very close to where i live and so that those news stories for me are what have sort of fueled my ideas for for number 14
0: interesting so given your, given your success to date with your novels and your, and your mystery series, what, what advice would you have for aspiring writers who may be listening, who would like to get their own novels or stories published?
1: Well, I think I'm a, I firmly believe in somewhat of a traditional publishing model. And I know there is so much going on today with people self-publishing e-books and going in those directions. I would encourage an aspiring writer to be thinking that they're going to be better off if they have an agent and a traditional publisher who will put them into the ebook market. And a good way to get there is to look around wherever you're living. Usually you'll have some nearby colleges that will be offering uh, writer conferences. And then if you just go on and Google some of the major writer conferences, conferences like con Left Coast Crime. Um, There's a good one in Chicago um, on dark dark and stormy nights. I think going to those is well worth the time and the money, because I think you meet the people there. You get a good sense of the community, the mystery writing community. You might stumble on an agent. You certainly might stumble on a publisher. Um, And so that's a good way, I think, to get into it. But The key here, the ultimate answer, is a rather, um, uh, if you don't mind me being ever so slightly crude, um, it's called Butt in the Chair. You better do the writing first.
0: Sure, sure. Are there books or writers that you've read in the past year or two that made an impact on you and that you would recommend?
1: Well, I highly recommend uh, Ross Thomas. He's my favorite. And I think he's a real writer's writer in terms of his his mysteries. He's no longer alive, but I think he published a good, you know, almost a dozen books. I go back and reread his just to remind me of what, uh, you know, uh, what a, what sparkling dialogue can do. Um, I also really, uh, myself, I've liked uh, Henning Mankell. Um, This is not a mystery writer, but I reread Willa Cather. Oh, Pioneers, or My Antonia almost every year. I think her work just reminds you of what good writing is. Um, trying to think who else, you know, um, I know I'm struggling right now with Wolf. That's okay.
0: <laughs> so, where can people find you online?
1: They can find me at victoriahouston.com.
0: Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Victoria Houston, author of the Loon Lake Mystery Series. Dead Insider is the latest book in the series, and it's in bookstores now, so grab a copy. Victoria, thanks for doing the interview.
1: Thank you, Jeff.